Listen to subscribe to The Table of Truth on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Podcasts. Welcome, everybody, to The Table of Truth. This is your man, Cam. With me, as always, is... The other Cam, a.k.a. Hotep Vegeta, better known as Woke Hokage. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's that pretty good, dude. That's pretty good. <laughs> I'd have followed that. <laughs> as um, well as uh this is Josh, aka as I've been dubbed by Cam, DJ Toss Grenades, aka Bizarro 50 Cent. <laughs> Better known as Bishop Basmati. <laughs> truth, truth, truth. Uh, yeah, and God. uh <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we are at the table of truth, you know, we like to talk and say, say see what's going on with this uh, wonderful world of ours. You know, anything interesting happening lately, guys? That's pretty boring these days, right? Just yeah. sunshine and puppy tails and sun, <laughs> sunflowers. Pretty fun. Fun the police. Fun the police. Fun, fun, fun the police. So wow. let's get it out the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, our our man, former man. Ice Cube, uh, he recently came out with a in support of a thing called the Contract with Black America, um, which is a, a organization that's been around for a little bit. It's been it's been doing his thing, but he had like latched onto it within the last couple months or so. And so, um, as he was like you know with this organization, it came out that you know Donald Trump's administration that came out with this thing called the Platinum Plan. Quote, oh, yeah, quote. Yeah, yeah. Um, which was a plan to court the Black America and some of our issues that are near and dear to our hearts. And he was found out to be uh, a part of this consultation in terms of the plan, basing it some of it off of a contract with Black America. Further things that found out more that he sat down with Bannon and uh, Jared Kushner. Um, and also, I mean, he and to be fair, he also did sit down with the Biden and uh, Harris campaign. They kind of gave platitudes and whatever stuff like normal Democrats normally do. So anyways. Once this all came and it kind of came out, you have the one, the memes are fast and furious. <laughs> the internet is forever. And then two, uh, he started to do a little bit more press and kind of talk. He had a you know Instagram video where he sat down and talked about it and stuff. And um, I think the the first reaction, as Cam so eloquently put it, uh, how do you go from NWA <laughs> to the MGA? M-A-G-A, sorry. <laughs> I mean, you know, th- I was talking reckless because you know how Twitter works. If you're familiar with Twitter, we see something, we run away with it. And um, there was a lot of noise about Ice Cube trending on Twitter about him working with the Trump campaign because there was a certain uh, advisor in the Trump campaign that said, oh, I want to give a huge shout out to Ice Cube, had his at, and people were like, what? Ice Cube was working with the Trump campaign. What in... God's green earth is going <laughs> on in the year 2020. Um, and so I, I, so I, at first I was like, damn, that's crazy. So I was getting my jokes off within my circle of friends, not on a public forum such as Twitter. Um, but I also wanted to wait it out and see like, you, you know how it is, you know, you, you jump the gun and then we find out it's something different or we don't understand the whole story. So I wanted to see what Ice Cube was really talking about. Um, and to be fair, I've just got a lot of information in front of me about it, but 
Um, from what I saw on Twitter, he had got on a couple uh, interviews, one with Roland Martin, to explain himself. Like, oh, Lord. Put him out there. And, and it was there, and I think you said something, Josh. He was with Cuomo, where uh, he didn't explain his plan eloquently or enough where people could understand he was stuttering over his policies it sounded like he was unsure of what he was trying to present and as i brought it up to look up this plan um it's it's a lot to digest man um Mm -hmm. well i think also too what people don't realize is again this this happens mostly with all like policy stuff right so like like contract of black america has been around before uh, ice cube right but him being the face of it, now he's the one that owns it, right? So it's his plan. So when he was on Roland Martin, he looked like a fool because he didn't know, quote unquote, his plan. And this is the part that celebrities get wrong a lot, where it's just like, yo, if you want to be involved in politics, fucking do what you want to do. It's a free country. But then actually know what you're talking about. You can't just slap on your face on it and be like, cool, because people that are really about that life will actually test you. And like he was on Roland Martin looking straight idiotic like he should have just not even went on that show if he couldn't answer the basic questions of the plan and i think that's what messed him up even more where when he talked to cuomo same thing cuomo's like all right cool contract black america so what is it about what's the he's like huh what uh yeah black people need stuff <laughs> yeah well, i mean part of part of the part of the problem is you know just the perception uh as we acknowledge you know baby cam in the background you know lighting it up um it, it's just one of those things where just the mere idea that he sat with this guy, like, you know, I can't believe that someone in his camp wasn't like, wasn't trying to tell him like, yo, this is a bad idea. The optics for your brand, if nothing else are just horrible. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I think that, that was a part that I think that kind of messed that up where it's just like, yo dude, like you can, and I think this goes well with some other celebrities that are actually like in a lot of politics, like the killer Mike's or the, even John Cusack is about it like that. Julia Lewis Dreyfus, like the one, the celebrities that are really in it and they're on it, then like, they'll be on it and they'll be like, yo, we can you know rock with the best of them and have a whole conversation. But what it really comes down to is like, you got to know the shit. And I think that's what messed Ice Cube up because it made him look more like a fool where like, if you would have came out and was like, boom, I know exactly what this plan is. This is what Black America needs to do. Da, 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 da. I'm not the voice of Black America, but I'm just saying that these are the things that we need to start to put out. Then that would have been a lot better. Like, I think his intent was good. His timing is fucking horrible. And that's, you know, that's a whole other situation. But yeah. Why is having, let's, let's explain. Why is the timing horrible? So I would say the it goes two ways. So one, there's never a be, never a right time to sit, tell, talk about how Black America needs things, right? So one of the big grievances with Obama with a lot of Black people that were um, in the middle to upper middle class or upper class was that he didn't do an actual Black people bill, right? Like he didn't do a bill that was like specifically for um, you know, black people, like, yo, black people are going to get this, this, and that. But he did a, uh, uh, he did a, a woman bill, he did a gay people bill, he did a, a Latino bill, but he didn't do an actual black bill. So we do definitely need, need something like this. Um, but we also got to figure out, again, that if if Cube would have came out with this three months ago, like, yo, we sat down with Biden, we sat down with Trump, this is what we're trying to work on, da, 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 da. I don't think people would have, they would still have a problem with it, but they wouldn't have as much of a problem. The fact that he did it, he, he came out or it got you know, quote unquote, outed in the, like a month before when um, Trump was already kind of doing this dumbass platinum plan or whatever to court black voters. It just makes everything more sus. So it's like, even if his intent was good, it still messes it up because you're just like, dude, like, 
we're we're not all a monolith, but at, right now we're mm-hmm. trying to oust this one dude, and then we're trying to go from other things. So that's why it's just this weird situation. Because again, if you have read the contract for Black America, it's actually really good. It's a lot of good things that need to happen in the Black community, but it's one of those things where again, the the eye on the ball really is is to you know oust this dude Trump and get that focus on there. And I think the the nonsense that comes from it that is what messes us up. I mean, he, uh, I, I didn't see the Roland Martin interview, but I did see the Chris Cuomo interview. And basically he spent more time defending himself and being defensive yes, exactly, than he exactly. did saying, you know, listen, I understand the optics. I understand how the, you know, just sort of empathizing with the viewer and just being like, look, I understand how this may appear. But the idea was to approach both candidates. I spoke with both, with both campaigns. I spoke with both groups because at the end of the day, I don't know who's going to be president. Like if he comported yep. himself in that way and explained yep. his goal and explained why he chose the avenue he chose in terms of like, you know, like I said, I don't know who's going to be president. So I want to lay out this plan and be like, look, these are, these are the things that black America needs. If you want to, if you want to make inroads with the black, with the black community, these are the things you need to address when you get in the office. If he yep. just said that, I think it would have gone a lot smoother and been received a little differently as opposed to, you know, and, and I mean, cause I mean the, the slant that everybody's going to approach an interview with him is always going to be, unless he's until he alters the parameters of the interview, the slant is always going to be, yo, so you sat down with Trump. Tell us about that. Why did you do that? <laughs> exactly. And that's what makes it worse because like, again, like the if you go to the website and you actually look it up, whatever, it's actually solid. Like a lot of the things that they're mm-hmm. talking about, there's a thing called the uh, black uh, the agenda for Black America. It came out earlier in February or something like that, or March, and it was mm-hmm. with other scholars and like you know the other people, and that was actually really dope. It's like 32 pages. You know, you can read through it. It's actually pretty interesting. But again, those are those type of things where like you know they did the one thing about them that they didn't do well is they didn't find a celebrity to help them uh, amplify it, and so. Contract with Black America, props to their marketing people for getting at least somebody that has a a voice. But that, again, like you said, the handling of it was just sloppy and just like fumbling. So now you now you're sitting there defending, you know, yourself as opposed to the plan. Like, you're right. He should have the whole time. We should have been like, yo, it's not about me. It's about us talking about this plan and what we can do as a people, because regardless of like you said, regardless of who's in the in there, we got to make some type of moves because, you know, we're in a situation that we are in. But that goes into a larger thing. Like one of my friends, uh, I went back in the Bay. He's a black dude. He's a, more of a libertarian, not officially, but that's more of his views. And he was like, "I could give a fuck about pre- who the president is because my money's good. I'm I've made good financial decisions over the last ten years. So the 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 who's in the whoever's in the White House doesn't really affect me that much. Down ballot affects me more. But like I don't get into the whole like oh I hate Trump or I, I we should go for Biden thing because I just don't care. Like you guys can have the emotional things. I'll work about my own small community my own money that kind of thing so he mm-hmm. just doesn't care about that situation so he was like the ice cube thing was just a great example because he was like yo what he was talking about is all stuff that black community needs to be talking about but everyone's too uh focused on the oh you're talking to trump oh my god blah 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 and like that's not the point you know like it is at, on one aspect but like the larger conversation still needs to be had because whether trump's there or biden's there or whoever's there black america still needs you know to sit down and come together and go rally behind some uh some issues well, there oh, was I mean, somebody. I, yeah. Go ahead, Josh. Go yeah, ahead. no, no, no. After you, Cam. Uh, somebody I know uh, well has said there is room for critique of Ice Cube and his overall tactical maneuvers when it comes to advocating for the black vote, quote unquote. 
but to say that Democrats don't own any culpability for the fact that they don't have every single non-conservative black person on their side is beyond reductive. It also makes, again, once again, makes black people to blame for the quagmire we are exactly. in, in this yeah, country. Exactly. Mm-hmm, exactly. Mm-hmm. We, are, we are able to criticize publicly is always was comfortable, comfortable to the white establishment. Yeah, yeah, that's 100%. And I think that that aspect of it, that's why it's like, I would rather have a debate about the contract of black America and what it has and what it doesn't have than, oh, Trump sat down, uh, Q sat down with Trump, which is usually the easy Twitter fingers version of like making fun of roasting until they move on to the next thing. I think that's the counterproductive part where it's like, I'd rather people be like, yo, Q, in the plan, it says this, this, and this. Why would we have that? Because X, Y, Z is happening. Like, that's the part. And I think, unfortunately, in our, you know, social media inspired activism like that's the quick thing to do as opposed to actually reading the plan and having that conversation i mean we can get mad at ice cube for talking about the one candidate who addressed them instead of getting mad at the biden campaign for not taking this low-hanging fruit yep exactly extremely problematic but at the same time Mm -hmm. if he doesn't trust anybody why try to work work? i don't get it like he knows that I mean, he he hasn't said he sided with anybody. No, no, exactly. Right. And I think also, too, the other thing was, you know, he is correct. You have to talk to both sides of the aisle to see what's going on in terms of the, the conversation and what they can do. And also, you know, to give uh, Trumpito a little bit of credit, he did sign that crime bill, that which definitely released a lot of black people that were in jail over some dumb stuff. However, that bill has been lang- languishing in the freaking Senate for such a long time. So literally just depending on, you know, who the Senate feel like they're going to, um, you know, get it done with. And so it's a good thing that it got passed because it's going to help produce sentences of a lot of people and get them out of jail. But again, this is one of those things too, where it's like for, for black people, it kind of doesn't matter who's in the office. We're, we're still, the still issues are still there. So who's actually going to take, they put some actual effort into put and in helping and uh, talking about these issues. And I think that's something that's like way more important than like, Oh, ice cube sat down with Trump and blah, 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 blah. Like, man, we like get over that aspect of it and figure out, okay, what can we really do to help our community? Well, well the bigger question is why would, uh, so if ice cube had this contract with black America, if this is their patriotic pathway to promote uh, shared prosperity and achieve racial economic justice, why would Donald Trump or his campaign be interested in it? Moreover, why would Q want to talk to his people about it? I have an answer for that. I think the idea that the idea that he was a able to to sit down with someone who is you know, the optics of of sitting down with someone who has perennially been anti-establishment, has been very pro-black. And has spoken for up to this point all the things that black people always want you to speak for and stand for and represent in the public eye. Trump could care less about any kind, any any anything to do with the contract with Black America. Let's just establish that out the gate. We know this. This is just it's a given. But in in so in in publicizing that Cube met with the Trump campaign there's a certain legitimization that he gets and he, and Trump knows that, that black people by and large, I mean, you know, again, not being a monolith, but by and large, black people are not going to vote for him in, in huge numbers, but just publicizing this is allows him the, it gives him a unique opportunity to siphon away black votes, which is real. Like there are people who are going to be like, yo, you know what? Cube sat down with this dude, we're trying to get, as as Cam very eloquently said, we're trying to get him out. 
and here you come sitting down with 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 sitting with the enemy, sitting with the clan, breaking bread and and yeah. trying to discuss yeah. like what what were you po- and and to me th- this is where I kind of fall in line with a lot of the popular thought process and it's like dude what were you thinking like what would you why what you should have stayed if if anything you want to have the meeting fine it's a unique opportunity fine you want to get our agenda out there fine but you need to be aware of who you know what the devil that you're getting ready to lie down with and you need to be able to you need to be he needed to have uh public control he needed to have control over the public relations nightmare that this wound up being and have yeah. have that by the horns from the day he had the meeting. The second he walked out of the doors of that meeting with his campaign, the first thing he should have said was, I met with both campaigns. I want to do this. I want to do that because of these things. And this is why I sat with these guys. He didn't do that. And now we are where we are. Yeah, and I think that's the, that right there is the you know need to hire you, Josh, as your public relations person. Because <laughs> I, I said that's literally what it comes down to, with all except for in like you know you know also you know at the same time, uh, Biden had a, lo- a more detailed of his tax plan, and then uh, our boy Fifty Cent was like, whoa, 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 my tax rate is going to sixty-two point four percent. I I'm voting for Trump. <laughs> Who, whose boy is this again? I'm sorry. <laughs> who, who, I'm going to. He, he is from New York. People from the table of truth are from New York, so I will I, put him. Yes. In here. <laughs> Listen, as, as the New, as the sole New Yorker in this group, I'm going to disavow all things related to 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 Fifty Pence. Uh, that would be hilarious. As, as the internet has dubbed him Fifty Pence. But but um, also, yeah. People again on you know on the twit on the tweets and the twitters. Uh, you know, the jokes were fast and furious, but at the same time, I'm like, it's not surprising. Like 50 Cent is a rich dude. Like mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. vote, you you vote either from fear or you vote with your wallet. Like, and as a dude that makes way around that money, of course he's gonna be like, I don't want my taxes to go up. Like wait, that's wait, wait, wait. You what? said vote with fear or money. Those kind of run hand in hand with No, you're money. right. Yeah, you're right. But so I, you you saying it would not surprise. Well, I mean, I can speak from well, personal experience. I had a conversation with a uh, uh, a good friend. I mean, we're still friends. Uh, and he comes to find out, you know, he, he basically supporting Trump. And this dude is like an African-American. Of course, uh, yeah. Surprising. Um, but he's always on that. He's looking like at results, numbers-based results. And mm-hmm. like money. His, his one of his strong... And he's just super... Uh, as he's gotten older, he's a very... Uh, religious person in a sense mm-hmm. uh, but I know this guy's history in college you know we all did our dirt blah 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 however you know he's a changed man he's a family man blah 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 he's a good dude right but he's super religious and he's hanging on to Cam you can speak to this personally about the religious hang up when they vote for Trump and mm. his beliefs with the, mm. the, the Christian beliefs but also he was talking his points was like he, he put money into the HBCUs, uh, <laughs> and and he's he's got this five hundred dollar five hundred million or billion dollar plan, blah blah blah. And I'm like, okay, you're. Ch-. And I said, look, I'm not gonna throw rocks at a glass house and hide my hand. You vote who you want to vote for, free of criticism. That's the that's the choice you have. I told him I was like, look, I understand if you don't want to vote for neither. You know what I'm saying? I get it. I'm not a fan of either candidate. 
but you can't sit here and simply cherry pick facts and yeah. ignore all the other stuff that encompasses yeah. with Trump. But mm-hmm. I wasn't surprised because of his his hustle grind, his hustle grind mentality and mm-hmm. money, capitalistic. Mm-hmm. Yep, there you go. There Trump you go. put money in my pocket. This, yep. this, this I'm just like, yes. Yep. In my head, I was like, yo, this is wild. And funny to, to wrap this up. We all used to live together at one point during my college tenure in post-college tenure. And I was the last one to know that he was like a pro Trump or this dude was all about Herman Cain. I was like, are you like I was like, wow. I was like, <laughs> like I was the last person to know. But to be fair, and this kind of is off topic, but like I purposely didn't follow this person on Facebook because I kind of had a feeling by the way he was talking his points, he was really like on that like conservative route, but to yeah. sit here and be the, the the type of individual that I knew once knew to the type of individual he's now, I'm not surprised that this dude is voting Trump. It's just that I when I heard it from his mouth, I was like, "Yo, that's I said, quote unquote, that's crazy." You know? <laughs> <laughs> nah, nah, man, I, I, I will. Ha- say, it's happened to a lot of people. Oh, go ahead, Josh. I, I will say this: uh, I, I'm comfortable making this statement uh, in this forum. The evangel- if you're listening to this and you're an evangelical, I promise you your voting block is cooked. Like a- after this election, if if it goes the way that we think it's gonna go, and you like like evangelicals by and large have overlooked so much with this dude. And as a voting block, I mean to a to a certain extent, as a voting block, they're cooked, but as a political block, they're stronger than they've ever been. But with the number of federal judges that are, that are conservative leaning, um, yeah, man. So in that respect, they're they're like they're they, it. It almost doesn't matter which way the election goes because in that respect, Trump kind of did what he what he needed to do. Uh, oh yeah, hundred percent. He is he has stacked the courts, but outside of that, if you had any other agendas or anything else that you wanted to do, you can kiss that goodbye. The Republican <laughs> Party is done as a as a as a as a political monolith, and evangelicals are going to be all but like shunned. Like it's 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 not well. It, it's it's interesting to see that because I mean, um, so like my younger brothers, they are you know devout Christians. They go to church, Baptist, mm-hmm. that whole thing, blah 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 mm-hmm. blah. So um, as Black Lives Matter, George Floyd, a lot of stuff was coming on. Breonna Taylor was starting to come. They started to actually like kind of. I don't want to say remember their blackness, but just now they kind of were getting that point where, you know, this crazy shit is going on and they're talking about it. And then their white friends are kind of just like, hey, man, why are you so angry lately? Are you okay? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like, and they're like sincere, like, what's going on, man? And then my brothers are like, uh, they're killing us in the streets. Like, police are coming out here and, and killing niggas. What's, what's going on with you? They're like, well, I mean, what did they do? <laughs> And like, so they're sitting there, and I was, I was laughing because my, me and my younger brother, we're like, we're talking to the twins, and we're like, well, you guys have now kind of gotten reacquainted that your church friends are your church friends; they're not friends' friends. So they, you're, you're their black friend. <laughs> so they don't even almost see you as the black friend because you're just so like, you know, agreeable and whatever. And so 
they started to see it. So when they started to talk about things that's going on in the community and stuff that's going on, and then you know they started talking about Trump stuff, then they started to get this like major black backlash from people from their church, folks that they've known for a while. And so they're having these like crazy Facebook uh, back and forth, which I'm laughing the whole time because like I try not to get into, involved in those things because it's just not productive. And we all know that it goes nowhere. Sure. So I'm adding in like gifts and other stuff just to break up the thing. Every once in a while, I'll break in and be like, actually drop a, a you know. A, a critique and then throw in a bunch of table of truth video uh audio like yo man just listen to this shit and you guys will be good <laughs> not a knowledge bomb <laughs> yeah exactly but but at the, in the same time you know what i was trying to remind my brothers is like oh man like white people a lot of them are ignorant first and racist second so when all this craziness is happening especially when it comes to trump especially for evangelicals they legit look at him like my, my brother was like well the youngest brother he was like yo, i was in church and the pastor was like you know when you guys go to the polls we just want you to vote biblically and he was like, what the fuck does that mean? <laughs> that is as close to So here's the thing. As a 503C, they're not allowed. No, no church is, is allowed mm-hmm. to espouse mm-hmm. a specific political view. Yep. And even doing that was, 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 oh, was yeah. sort of threading the needle. But as a, as a 503C, you are now, you are now constrained to not make any political statements. My mom's church is the same way. You can't make any yeah. overt political statements in, uh, in support of or against uh, any 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 particular political figure. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. I get, I'll, I'll take it one step further. Uh, I used to, in a former life, I used to work at a telemarketing firm. And one of the campaigns that we did was for the Democratic Party. And I cannot tell you how many times they stressed to us in the training, do not say that you want Bill Clinton, this was Bill Clinton era, I'll tell you how long ago it was, do not say, vote for Bill Clinton. Do not say, don't vote for uh, for George Bush. What you will say is, we're calling to remind you to vote Democratic. That is as far as you go. That's the only yeah. thing you say. Yeah. Anything else is illegal and you will cause us problems. Yeah, and then now those lives are so blurred these days where like, you know, people look at you know, Trumpito is like a straight up like Messiah type figure. And they rock with them like that because they have a mascot now, you know? And I think um, the the thing that my brothers were probably having struggles with is just was like, yo, man, these people I, I prayed with and all this other stuff. And they really have little empathy for the struggle that I'm going through or things that's going around that affects me. And they're very like dismissive of a lot of stuff. And I was like telling them, I was like, yeah, man, but you now have to figure out where you want to spend that energy in that time. You know, do you have the time and energy to spend trying to convince some, you know, uh, dorky white church dude that, that black people actually matter? Or you can be like, you know what? Now that I know your views, that's cool. Brothers in Christ and all, I'll be over here. <laughs> and so I think he's, they're kind of having that struggle when I'm just like, yo, you, there's, you're, the, the the best thing about Trump being president is it, it, it rips off that veneer that was around for a lot of people. And so, you know, as for black people, we've been seeing, you know, people, a lot of white people did not realize that there are two Americas. And there's a lot of people that did and capitalized on it, but then most are just ignorant and literally just didn't care and they didn't even think about it. So now that Trump's been president and people are being more vocal, they're kind of like seeing that. And so even in the evangelical part, that part is like hilarious because I asked my dad about that. I'm like, yo, this dude has been married three times, slept with the porn star amongst other people. Like he's, I was like, he's, racist like sorry that's not even a debate like he's a racist dude yet everyone the, the you know people at church be like well he's gonna save the babies though so well the thing is they <laughs> have, and, and this is the this is the faustian bargain right because 
they realize that there's someone who they, they realize there's someone who can carry elements of their agenda forward. And that's why I say they're, they're, they're cooked as a voting block because you look hypocritical. You, you, and, 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 you know, my mom, my mom hit on something and I, and I, and I quote that all the time when I have these discussions, they're evangelicals and they're Christians. And there's a very 10 foot wide long wall between those two groups. There are people who claim to be religious and they're actual practicing Christians and who, who actually follow the tenets and believe, believe proper doctrine as it's, as it should be taught. Now, whether or not, you know, we can debate, you know, what that's supposed to mean and what that's not supposed to mean. But I think we all know the general idea that I'm, that I'm, that I'm driving at, which is, you know, there are people who, who operate out of convenience for their, you know, and, and, and cherry pick things uh, as far as personal viewpoints and as far as, you know, uh, sort of uh, lifestyle and way of life tenets that they, that they can espouse to that sound great in a soundbite or sound good in a conversation amongst like semi like-minded to like-minded people. And then there's everybody else. And I think that the evangelical block has now become the group of people who are willing to make this devil's bargain with Trump to get all the things that they want while claiming that they're Christian and claiming and, and allowing him to be associated with them as a quote unquote, God fearing Bible Christian. And that's just insanity to me. Like, how do you, how do you spread that? And to bring it back to, you know, cube and and 50 and stuff and, and, you know, African-Americans that would vote um, on the more the conservative aspect of it. Yeah. It comes back to those things where it's like, you know, there's a large swath of people that vote for Trump specifically because it's Trump, the way he acts, the way he talks. They like that. They identify with it. They he, he says a lot of things are thinking. They like that he, you know, quote unquote, is honest and all that. And then there's other people that legit were like, well, yeah, my 401k looks cool. My stocks is up. My stocks is up. And they're like, cool. And then there's all the racist stuff or the things that he said is quote unquote bad. They're like. I'm I'm choosing to overlook that and then just because I think these like kind of like what Cam was saying about um, um old dude about well I look at the numbers and he did this this and this for that which again like you said cherry picking we could easily do that with literally any president over 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 our lifetime um but that's the most interesting part where people will see what they want to see so that's why I think it's always futile to sit down and try to like argue quote unquote with someone I'm just like yo man if you're gonna vote for Trump that's on you dude like I I respect the people that are like Trump is an asshole. But he's an asshole that makes sure that my money's good. Cool. Like I'm like I respect that. All right. Cool. Your your money. You in the upper middle class or middle class or whatever wherever your financial economic class is right now. I respect that you at least say that. Like yo, he's an asshole and a racist. But for my economic class and where I'm at, it's perfect for me. And I know a lot of people that are like that. And I'm like yo, I have no problem with that. But the problem I usually get to is when you yeah you try to cap for the dude that's like on some moral shit. I'm like come on bro, just say all you got to do is say that his policies is helping you in in your financial class. You don't have to keep. You don't got to cap for his uh his antics and his dumbness like it's but, like we know the dude's racist like that's like the, we don't have to debate that aspect from the financial perspective though he didn't do anything he didn't change anything like he changed <laughs> a few things let me, let me rephrase nope. that he did make some minor changes but he uh, the writ large grand scheme if you follow finance i mean and uh, you know we three you know it, to varying degrees uh have different levels of 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 engagement and involvement and and a certain amount of following with finance but overarching summary wise in the grand scheme if you follow if you follow economics and you follow the stock market and you follow just world economics in general he did not do anything 
He didn't change anything. He didn't institute any policy. He didn't institute anything, you know, getting out of NAFTA. Okay, fine. Renaming it something else, basically cherry picking the best parts of the Obama deal and then getting back in and calling it something that he made up. You don't get a cookie for that. I'm sorry. <laughs> like no, you're right. You just, you oh, and and also too, so, like again, you know. it goes it goes back to those things where it's like the you know if if like I say, I have a feeling you know the election is in two months, so we can two weeks actually. But we, can, we can have yeah, it's in two weeks. We can have a we can have a deep dive. But yeah, you're right. There's a lot of things. So it is really interesting on that aspect of it where you know going back to Cube and even 50 is just like. You know, black people were not a monolith until we are a monolith, and, <laughs> and so I think I think that's the problem that people have, where people are kind of just like, "Yo, man, we don't all think it together." And then someone was like, "Yeah, cool. Well, I like Trump. What? I can't believe you like Trump." <laughs> and so it's always interesting when we have to kind of like toe that line, which is completely fine because as black people, one of the things that we need to start to address is that we are not all in the same economic class, mm-hmm. and being broke. Being broke and black doesn't mean you're blacker than the person that's rich and black or the person that's middle and black. And I think that's the part that we, as a just are in general as a culture, like we struggle with a lot because you know we'll look at the person that's rich and thinking like, okay, cool, they did it, and we look at okay, I could be them as a or I need help from them as opposed to you know they are went through some struggles that we did or the people that had no struggles at all and they have a completely different life. The only thing we have in common is the color of our skin. So we as a culture need to understand that like different people live on different planes. So like, it makes sense that 50 cent would freaking vote for Trump because his economic class goes along with what Trump is, uh, is spouting. But at the same time, you know, if ice cube is like, yo, for us to move forward as a people, we got to listen to, we got to talk with both sides of the aisle, quote unquote, then that's something that's actually also true. But now again, it goes back to that timing aspect of it. So, um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. That's you know, like I said, we can go on for that like forever. Well, let me let me let me say this, and this is just me speaking from my personal beliefs. I personally don't trust anything about blackness that doesn't interrogate class, capitalism, or imperialism. Yeah, AKA the black stuff at the front of the bookstore. I automatically distrust any take that does not take into account the functional intersectionality of race, class, and colonialism. Like that is a damn baseline of understanding. And when someone comes to me and say, how, well, what if someone calls me a class reductionist? I say, I don't address them at all. I don't. And I just keep it moving. So that's, that's my take on that. Because right now we're starting to hear a lot of black men are the reason why this is that. And third. Oh yeah. That's all stupid. Blah, it, blah, blah. It, it only takes one at one aspect of the argument into account. If you're, if you're a, coming at it from the from the economic reductionist standpoint like that's and it's and it's and it's infantile frankly like if you if you're going to yeah, make the right. argument at, at to 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 take off on the point that cam just made if you're going to have the argument have the entire argument don't yeah, just cherry exactly. pick bits and pieces the economic piece yeah. is one really small but complex piece of the larger puzzle as far as as far as the things that are that that need to be addressed in the black community so you need to go all the way back to everything that cam just mentioned and you need to you need to not only you need to not only understand it but you need to be able to work your way backwards to all to the beginning of all of that and then once you recognize all the different things that 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 encompasses work your way forward again with all those things as your base yeah and i think that's you know like like cam was saying you know i think there's a, a, a large swath of black America that want, you know, black 
in black mobility and um, evolution and uh, and you know and empowerment, but still under the lens of capitalism. So now we're just moving it from the white people that are controlling everything to now it's just black people. So, but it's still the same the same system and how that. And I think that's the part that gets wrong a lot, where people like they're not really looking at those aspects of it. Now it's not necessarily socialism, it's not communism, it's not blah blah blah. It might be a mix of everything. But you're right. If you don't really look at the economic aspects of it, because if you are a a black male that's making you know two hundred fifty thousand dollars a year, you are definitely in a different uh, economic class and thought process than than a black dude that's making thirty thousand a year. And like you, you're both black. You might have came from the same background, but like the mentality is going to be different, and the interests are going to be different, right. um, especially when it comes to economics. So yeah, we we both can get stopped by the police and both get our ass beat or both get killed by the police. But like if you're you know you got stocks and you got no debt and you know you're sending your kids to college and you have, you're, you're driving a Tesla like true the person that just got killed that's poor is you know that looks like you is affecting you but like honestly there's a lot of people that literally don't give any fucks about that and that's and that's a, that's a reality and that's another aspect of black america that we have to come to terms with like everyone assumes that just because we're all black everyone cares like that's not true there's a lot of black people that literally could give of two fucks about poor people period like it's cool you know when we're black and all that stuff but like you're poor, I have money, and I'm in a good situation. Uh, good luck with that, bro. And then keep it moving. So we have to kind of um, understand and like come to terms with all of that because that all those things are true. And then from there, then like like Cam was saying, you know, looking for them from an economic lens, then we can kind of move forward because you're right. I've you know one of the worst parts about you know um, this time and era right now is that in compared to like you know back in the Tulsa 1920s and 30s is we don't really have a strong economic foothold of our own to kind of play with these types of things, you know? And I think as people start to make their own communes, people are like, you know, Killer Mike's on the whole Black Bank thing. Like different people are trying different things to figure out what can work, but we need more of that. And that's honestly more important than just, you know, us being all kumbaya and like, hey, let's have the exact same capitalistic system, but just Black people are in charge now instead of white. (laughs) Well, put it like this. I just seen something, and this another minor topic, Jamil Hill, She's been a hot topic lately, and she had a uh, quote saying, uh, I've, I've increasingly found that many black men just want better access to patriarchy. They don't actually want to dismantle mantle it. And uh, you take notice of that claim. So why black men are being locked out of society at large, he'll want you to believe that working class black men crave patriarchal power, yet she makes no mention of how black women close to the trigger and in line with the DNC crave carceral power to punish black people. The ability to rule over others has always been the foundation of patriarchy. And while we see more and more backdoor deals from black quote unquote capitalists, feminists, and the like getting access to these platforms, Jamil Hill wants to convince you it's the black man who wants patriarchy. Kamala Harris is a patriarch. She not only participates in the control of the state, but aims to fulfill the patriarch's primary agenda. The murder and removal of out group of men, but that's another story for another day. Yeah, so. no, but you're, no, that's one hundred percent correct. I, I think that's I don't the, have anything to black, counter that. I must say, yeah, <laughs> no, because honestly, the, you know, it, it's common. It's three black men saying that everyone hates black black men, but <laughs> on some <laughs> aspects of it, it is actually like you know they. I love when I saw the uh, the quote of black men or the the white men of the black culture or some shit like that, and I was like, wow, word, that's what we how you guys gonna do us. <laughs> 
Mm. But but again, that like as we said before, that goes back to the all the multiple multiple things that we have to talk about. It's not just about blackness. It's also about you know pa- uh, the patriarchy and the matriarchy. It's also about you know, capitalism. It's also like, there's so many different things. So yeah, it takes it's a lot of shit that we got to go through to get to a quote unquote there. <laughs> and just, it's going to take all. Go ahead. No, no, I, I, you can go ahead. I was going to say, it's like, we just have to all realize that it's all of it. It's not just one specific point, you know? I just want everybody to make peace ahead of time that the fact that when we criticize Biden-Harris presidency for police brutality at home and drone strikes overseas, it's going to be called racist misogynist on here. And that goes quadruple if Harris succeeds Biden as president. Yeah. And, and on the flip note, I'm just looking at Bolivia shining over there. I'm smiling. So for those that are familiar, go Google what's going on in Bolivia. Yeah. And that's going to be interesting, too, because I think the part that what people uh, people are celebrating what's happening in Bolivia. But now it's going to be on Bolivia's task to make that shit work. And that's the difference where I think what people like um, the one thing I like, I really enjoy a lot of the aspects of socialism and that kind of stuff. But there are parts of it that still don't work for someone like me who might be in the creative field or whatever, or or for other people that like really um, enjoy their civil liberties and their things that they like. Like what people don't understand is like there's little nuances that might jive with not jive with your specific uh, situation. So what's going to happen in Bolivia is just like another experiment. Like I hope the experiment goes really well, but you know, there has been tons of data prior that usually that experiment fails. So we'll see. I'm actually hopeful for Bolivia and I think they, they can do some dope shit, but you know, I think that's the aspect that we have to kind of really look at it all. Like it's the same, it was the same with Obama, like Obama increased mad drone strikes. And that was like, it killed a lot of freaking, um, a lot of people, just like what's going on right now, Trump's doing the same thing. And and if Biden wins, Biden will probably do the same thing. But these aspects of America um, are tied to a lot of the capitalistic uh, ideas that we're already doing. So whether now it's more about which type of capitalism that you want, as opposed to, you know, who, who's going to actually bring us to the promised land or, you know, take us there. That's why I laugh when people are like, ah, Bernie's too radical. And I'm like, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Having universal health care and like livable wage is pretty radical. <laughs> I mean, hi, like, that's, hi, that's Bolivia. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. Yeah. So I, that's why I'm like, yo, man, the Bolivia experiment is going to be fucking dope. I want to hope it goes well. Uh, they have a lot, they have a lot going against them. And so I hope that they freaking are up to the task because it's going to be super, super interesting. So, um, but yeah. But onto a more important topics because we've been going off on doom and gloom. Um, I would like to formally congratulate Cam on his Lakers. Hey, you know, got to got to give got to give credit where credit is due. Insert applause here, and he called it way early. No, he, he did. He, you he know, expressed, I, I, he, expressed some, he did call it. Yes, yes, and as someone that has seen over the last ten years. The ridicule and jokes and memes that have been tossed his way, mm-hmm. I give Indeed. him. Uh, I have ample uh, respect for the restraint <laughs> that really? he had prior for the whole season. Really, <laughs> he was he was humble. You know, he was he was humble and no. quiet, and he. Just, Amen. You know, occasionally, you get a just wait and see. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A hundred percent. That you are a gentleman and a scholar for that. I agree. Uh, there is a lot of people that weren't even weren't so nice. And uh, I will yeah. I will say this: if if I were in this position and this were the Knicks, I would not have exercised even a hint of the restraint that Cam has uh, has exercised over the last two weeks since, um, the Lakers, since the Lakers pulled it off. So, hats off, sir. 
Well, let me let, me, let me say let me say thank you very much to both of you guys. Uh, congratulations, it's well received. Mm-hmm. Now, that, now that I got that out of the way, hit him, hit him, hit him, hit him, hit him, hit him. All I know is that um, I don't know. It, well, I'll say this: when the Lakers won, I was a bit emotional about it. Sure. Because of the Kobe aspect. Let me get that out of the way. Um, but um, I perp I like I'm gonna make a video. If you guys are not aware of the Ghostface getting on action Bronson video, I am gonna make a remake. <laughs> I am gonna make a remake of that video. Oh, man. Oh, I have man. the album of Melvin and the Blue Notes be for real that Ghostface played and I'm going to play that and I'm going to do a reenactment of all the receipts I've collected for the last year and a half, two years living in the Bay Area hearing all the nonsense because once we got LeBron I said it was a rat for you dudes uh, I have been on a war path the day after the championship was won by the Lakers. Anybody, I didn't go on Twitter because not a lot of people know me, follow me on Twitter, but on Facebook, a lot of my quote unquote closer friends and shit talking associates of other teams do follow me and I let them have it. Jack, Josh, you saw my first post. Oh, his first post was epic. It was just ha 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 over and over and over. And it was like 20 lines of laughter. I nearly spit out what I was drinking when I saw it. Comedy. Comedy. Cam, I shit you not. I released hell on earth on my timeline. I, I can co-sign that. As a, I'm a witness. Memes for days. I had gifts. I had people trying to DM. I was like, don't DM me. I'm acting ignorant. Not ignorant. 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 <laughs> Like I didn't want to hear anything. Now to those to those uh um people that like kept it cool, you know, I know they warrior fans or whatever fans of whatever team, they 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 really didn't say too much to me. I, I kept it cool, but to those that was calling this the bubble ring, uh fake championship, I was like, yo, if we lost, y'all would count that, right? Mm-hmm. I was like, that's how this works, right? But like I'm over here defending my team. Man, I, there's so much I could say. You would just have to see what I was doing on on the social media. Oh man, because I was talking so much trash, and I'm gonna keep talking trash until the next season start or a new crown champion appears in the NBA. Because man, oh man, oh man, oh man, oh man, oh man, this this was a sweet victory. Because a year ago, one of our co-hosts, Anthony Singleton. He got to get called out. I was waiting for this. He, at the beginning (laughs) of the year, said the Lakers were in a worse position than the New York Knickerbockers. Which I didn't, as the the other Nick fan in the crew, I did not agree with that. And uh, uh, Cam is my witness. I, I, I pulled Ant's coattail. I was like, you are talking crazy right now. There's no way in the world that you could back up that statement and, 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 and attempt to back it up. He did, but I let it after I made that disclaimer, 
I let him rock because you know once Ant starts going, you know there's Man. no once you put the once you put the diamond, you got to let the whole song play. <laughs> Man, listen, I look Ant let me have it for the first few months of like we like Magic quit. We was having a parade for the protest of like Genie Buzz, and he was like, "You gonna go to the parade and help protest?" He got them jokes off, and I said, "All right." <laughs> I'm going to remember everything in this chat. And I said, I told you, Josh, I was like, remember this, Josh. This is your boy over here. He's he going he to have to he make his bed. He's going to sleep in it. And then we we got AD. Because remember, the Knicks was supposed to get Zion, Kyrie, and KD. Yes. Them boys, them boys went to Brooklyn. Zion went to the Pelicans, right? Yes. I haven't I haven't heard from Ant in, outside of normal stuff in months about my congratulations. <laughs> have you heard from <laughs> him Ant, since, you since have you heard from him since the since uh since the championship? I, I've heard from him, but we don't talk the championship because I, uh. I, I said because <laughs> you know I called him out like hey Ant, if you listening, come out, you coward, face me. <laughs> like you gotta face this music. I know you're gonna listen to this. But, but, but at the end of the day, my Lakers are the champs. And like I've been real chill. Like I haven't been like I talk a lot of shit, but like I didn't go as far as I wanted to go because I was just buying my time. Because look, man, I remember some disappointments, man. Like I I, I led the, the cart before the horse and we got beat. And so I, I didn't I had a lot of equity into this championship. So I was like, we cannot lose this championship. Uh because on a flip note, let's let's backtrack. Since the Lakers won, I want to talk about the bubble, the NBA bubble, and mm-hmm. how mm-hmm. this went. Because I'm gonna keep it banned. Like I really didn't. I was because of the social issues that was going on. I really didn't care for basketball. I was like, we shouldn't be playing. We shouldn't be playing no sports at all because of COVID, because of the the social issues. Like if we got a chance to make real reform, basketball and sports is meaningless, right? But you know what it is, what it is. They're going to play, so we're going to watch, right? Because I know it's going to be a, a quote-unquote healthy distraction from folks from the real issues. But they play basketball, and I was like, okay, if we're going to play basketball, okay, I'm going to still be a black man, still protesting, but at the same time, I'm going to still be watching. I'm going to keep it 100%. So I watched my Lakers do what they do in the bubble, and I watched all these teams. And um, outside of being a Laker fan, it was it was uh, basketball, good basketball that was being played. There were storylines. There was narratives. Um, there was upsets. Um, a lot of people focused their attention. Some people were hating on it, saying it was too easy. It was like playing pickup game. And I'm like, it could be one of the hardest championships because if you think about it, you are away from your family and friends and loved ones in a bubble, isolated for about 100 days. And all you do is think about basketball. There's nobody to console you if you're going through something. Somebody was going like, uh, I was going to say pandemic P, but uh Paul George. <laughs> Paul George was having some depression issues. Danny Green was going through some depression issues. And you've been in that bubble, that's heavy. You know what I'm saying? If you don't have, there's no such thing as home field advantage because there's no crowd. So it's an even playing field. So the Lakers' best record goes out the door. You just go to play, right? So there's an argument to be made. It could be easy. There's an argument to be made that it could be one of the most difficult championships. I'm not, it's either neither here nor there. I'm not here to debate that. They can debate their aunties with that. Um, But it was interesting basketball to play. I watched, I was engaged. The NBA, out of all the sports, did it right. We didn't have any too many controversies. We did have a 
uh, somebody quote unquote for the Houston Rockets sneak somebody in, but that's right. like a that's a funky story. I don't know the details about that one. Yeah, and also too, you know, I like you know the whole Jimmy Butler starting his own cafe within it, which is hilarious. Much respect, uh, yeah, much respect to Jimmy Butler. Yes. Yeah, I thought that was dope. Indeed. And then I like that I like that one of the other trainers was like, Oh, that's expensive coffee. I'm gonna start my own. And then, and then they had a little coffee war. But I thought, yeah, like I, I would say the NBA did it the best because they took yep. it serious. And like they actually, you know, again, there's a lot of money on the line. You know, these all like you know, they they know that there's money on the line, but they actually sat down and was like, okay, how can we actually make this work? And honestly, I didn't I didn't think it was gonna work, honestly, when they, when they first started doing it and they're trying to figure it out, but they surprised a lot of us and they actually like you know, made it work, figured out how to do it, and actually, you know, made for a lot of people said, you know, just some enticing basketball. So, you know, props to them to actually taking it seriously and also putting in uh, measures that, you know, work for people that that could work with. And like you said, like, you know, folks had depression and this types of things, but then also they were also kind of like, well, I got to play basketball, which I didn't think it was going to happen anyways. I personally, when I read, I had my, the same trepidation that you had, Cam, early on, but when I read what they were actually doing and, and got like a detailed analysis of all the different things that they were trying to do, I said, you know what? This actually has a shot of working. They're sequestering them from everybody, family, friends. There's going to be security out the wazoo. You can't just have somebody pulling up uh, who isn't authorized. Um, you know, it, it, people are isolated. And if you, you know, there's testing that's going to be going on on a regular on a super regular basis. Like they're tested the same, the same amount of time that Trump is practically like they tested almost daily and, you know, just sequestering them from everyone. Number one, number two, constant testing. And number three, having healthcare professionals who are versed in a prevention and B detection on site at all times. And then keeping like, you know, the, the network, the, the television network people, sequestered away like they were on a whole other side of the um a whole other side of of the disney property uh sectioned off from the players like nobody could come into contact with the players and then the resulting one guy who got booted out of out of out of uh out of the bubble for violating and really he didn't fully violate it was someone who was cleared to be there someone who was tested it's just that they weren't supposed to have excess interaction with the players come to find out he just invited shorty back to his room which you know hey listen you know folks gotta eat that that story is real <laughs> funky no that, that story is funky though i think to be honest i think there's more to it but we, we won't there find that be. out for yeah. a while so. yeah we yeah we may never so who knows but yeah, we may you know, never but um, now compare compare and contrast that to mlb to the nfl Oh man, yeah. The NFL being probably, you know, I mean, early on MLB was probably pretty was was pretty bad and still is. Like there <laughs> up until up until the pennant race, there were there were teams that were still having issues with uh with COVID positive players. Uh the NFL is like a whole other ball of wax. Cause if one dude I don't think they really understood that if one guy is sick, like if your defensive lineman is sick, defense and offense are now off the table for 14 days. Like everybody's got to go home. Everybody's got to quarantine. So I don't think they really thought that through. Even soccer, like me and Cam have been heavy watching, heavy watching international soccer over the last couple months. And they're kind of doing their version of the bubble with some exceptions. Like Ronaldo was just found out. Uh, Cristiano Ronaldo from Portugal 
who plays oh, yeah, for Juventus. Right, right. He plays for Juventus in Italy. Was just found out to have been uh, to be diagnosed COVID positive. But when you look, he at, was on an island. <laughs> and he, right, exactly, and he was on an island. So he, you know, who knows how long he had it before it actually showed up in his system in enough in in enough of a register to show up in a test. So, you know, but, but, you know, uh, rest assured that British, the British, Italian and Spanish soccer are on top of it. The way that the, the, the way that the NBA is on top of it. And the only way to ensure that people aren't, hell, I, I, I when I, at the, at the, the, the weekend job, I just went there for the first time two weeks ago, I got tested walking in the door. They were like, yo, if you leave, you got to get tested again, just so you know, <laughs> um, and I was there again on Saturday and they tested me again. So every time you walk in the door and they're keeping a, like they do, they make you do the spit test. They temp, they do your temperature check. They do a detailed questionnaire. It's not just, have you been sick? Have you had diarrhea? What did you have for lunch? Okay. You can go in. Like it's pretty, it's like a good 25 questions they're asking about, just your habits, where you've been, who you've been around. Have you been around anybody who's COVID positive? Has anyone that you know that's around you been around anybody who's been COVID positive? Like there, it's almost like the, it's the beginnings of a contract, uh, contact tracing questionnaire. Like mm, it's, it's, crazy. it's pretty detailed. Like I look but, at my I mean, joint it, and it, that lists makes sense, all my, it lists all my tests that I've had since going, since starting to go back to work. No, that makes sense though, especially if you're really trying to do like you have like there's a lot of money on the line for things people are trying to actually get work done, especially on the film industry and all that. So mm-hmm. But gotta, it doesn't you, make you sense. If they do all that, me. then right, and that's what I'm saying. Like it doesn't make sense to me to half-ass it. Like why would you, why would you go through all the trouble of restarting anything, sports, work, whatever industry it is, and not take steps to ensure that you know. A that everybody's not going to get sick, and B that you're not going to have further disruption to your to to your your end of the industry, to your work that you're trying to do, and honestly, at the end of the day, money that you're trying to make. Why risk any of that? To put in the thing, put yeah. in place the things that you need to put in place. I mean, Sony runs the company that I work for, so they're not really trying to hear that. A because they don't want to be liable, and B because they would really like to just get back to work <laughs> and get back to making money. Yeah. So you know they they have a certain investment in um they have a certain investment in doing things properly and doing things right. We have we don't just have a guy who's sitting at a desk with a bunch of masks and um and a sh- and face shields and uh, what call it. We have a COVID uh a co- COVID supervisor co- co- like a COVID nineteen uh liaison and supervisor like his whole job yes that's what i'm saying like we have a guy that sits at a desk when you get off the elevator on our floor you go see him before you go to your desk before you go to control room before you go to before you get behind a camera before you sit behind a mix board whatever it is that you do there you got to pass him first and you don't go in unless you do and if you do go past him there's somebody there conscientious who's like yo just making sure. Did you go see the COVID dude before you came in here? Because if you did, you need to turn around. Don't put on your don't put down your bag. Take don't take off your coat. I've seen that in the two days that I worked, probably about fifteen times, where everybody's like sort of on it and looking out and making sure. Yo, did you go see the COVID guy when you came in? Because I didn't like. I'm just seeing you for the first time today. 
and yeah, it's just no, ex- it's, it's accepted practice. It's not weird. It's not you know nobody's getting all flustered. Like, oh man, you know, there are a couple of people like yo, you know what? He wasn't there when I came in. Let me go check him now. Yeah, no, that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. Like, there's, there's a, a whole community. There's, there's there's a whole community around it just in the office. So I can only imagine you know. And by contrast, there's other work that I've looked for. And no lie, there was this one spot. It's not funny. It really isn't. But it was just it's it's so astounding that it is funny. There's this one spot that had a posting <clears throat> uh, looking for an intern and the intern was going to be responsible for temperature checks, for distributing masks, distributing gloves and wiping down equipment. Now, all the other th- all those other things. Yeah, maybe I don't think you want a 20 some odd year old who's never really worked anywhere in the industry before doing all of that. But you are not wiping down anything that I'm responsible for as a technician. You are not wiping down anything that I connect to anything else with any antibacterial wet anything. <laughs> if you're not if you're not a professional who doesn't know how to handle electronics and not, you know, not consumer electronics that you can buy a Radio Shack, $5,000 cameras, you know, $40 cable that, you know, for 10 feet is like 50, 40, $50. Like, nah, you're not touching my equipment. You're just not. <laughs> and I think that's the part that, and then, you know, that's the part that, like, for NBA, they just got right. And so that was good that they got that. And now, even with NFL, like, NFL's having their issues where they got to, there's games on Tuesdays. Like, I'm, I was like, I didn't, I pulled out of all my fantasy leagues. So I was like, this, this whole thing is going to be crazy. Mm-hmm. But like, I'll be like, yeah, there's just random games on Tuesdays now, which is like a thing. I, I didn't, so there's games Monday, Tuesday, Thursday. Better than no, it's better than Thursday games. Tuesday, I'll take I'm a like, Tuesday game. Yeah, um, it's just it's just all over the place, man. I'm like, I don't, and you know, even with the COVID and how things are going with that, like, yeah, there's you no know, more surges. Like, folks is, you know, as our as uh, Trump people are saying, people are just tired of it. They're just saying whatever, which is like, yo, man, that's cool, but that shit doesn't mean that shit goes away. Basically, hey. Hey, all, all I know is the Lakers are the 2020 champs. And <laughs> <laughs> hey, this is the sweetest out of all the bullshit that happened. This is uh, second on my list of achievements of this year. Fair enough. So seeing my Lakers do the damn thing and being able to talk so much trash and no one can tell me anything for a year. Like it is a sweet feeling, my friends, my guys. When you when you come to this momentous feeling, it's uh-huh. been a while for some of you guys' teams. But when you True. get here, I mean, uh, uh, Josh, you're a Giants fan, so I know when the Giants won a few Super Bowls, it, it was amazing, right? Oh, I did backflips for sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I was out of my mind. I talked so trash to Patriots fans. I, I know way too many Patriots fans. It's ridiculous how many I know. The amount so of trash is- talking and text messaging that I did is beyond anything I've done. I can only imagine when the Knicks win. I'm, I'm it's gonna be over. You're not gonna know me. <laughs> basically, but it was bittersweet because I couldn't go to LA for the Laker parade. Oh. That's the- ah, yeah, no, that's, that's, that's a national yeah. holiday. Yeah, Every yeah, time yeah. the Lakers, I was, I was 30 when the Lakers last won it. <laughs> like I went to LA. So every year the Lakers win it, I take off work. I tell my bosses, I'm requesting vacation for three days. I'm going to LA. <laughs> three days. I'm out to be out. Yeah, man, I'm out, bro. Like that is a national holiday in my book when the Lakers win. I haven't been on that holiday in 10 years. Mm. I mean, so 
it is what it is, man. But you know, I'm glad the 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 Lakers did it. The Dodgers are in the World Series now. I'm not a Dodger fan per se, but if they were to win, LA is about to go crazy, right? Yeah, definitely. I, it's crazy. I think you know, especially for MLB. Honestly, pretty much everyone's just like, as long as Houston's not in it, it was fine. <laughs> yeah, no, damn Houston on every level. The cheaters. <laughs> but but that's I mean and then I think the you know with Lakers winning and like sports and that kind of stuff that was helping to bring a welcome change to a lot of the craziness that's been going on so like that's why it's like okay this is a good thing that like you have a little bit of more distraction and then also too just for LeBron too like yo man finally put some respect on that dude's name like too much too much too much asterisks and ah maybe sort of kind of like nah man just let like. <laughs> Yeah, bruh. just get get over it like give him his give him his props so we can all move on with our lives and then you know keep it moving bro it's so much hating on lebron it's crazy Dude, it's crazy how how could you be a that, fan of basketball and hate on lebron like we're, we're, hey we're gonna have to save the like the lebron agenda <laughs> for another like pod a specific pod on nba and like well, as some, the, yeah. the that. as someone who's had my my share of issues with how LeBron can has been lauded in the past. I, I and, and to be clear, I'm no longer maintaining the stance that you know that he's he he's he's well. No, I've never had. Now that I think about it, he's he's. I've never had this the this idea that he's not a great player. He is hands down at minimum the greatest player of this generation of basketball players. Um, I, and that, and there's no asterisk to that. You know what I mean? Like he deserves to be mentioned in the same breath as a Michael Jordan or a Will Chamberlain. You know what I mean? Or a Kobe Bryant. Like he he does he's at this point it is undeniable. You know whether or not you want to quibble over you know the difference in basketball now. You know with ticky tacky fouls and how people are being how you know uh, how fouls are being called and you know the pre-Jordan era where everybody kind of got, you know, kind of got a foul called no matter who you were versus the post-Jordan era, you know, the, the post-Jordan era where, you know, you literally had announcers saying, well, you're not going to get that foul against Jordan, which is nonsense to me. But at this point, I'm used to it. Like I'm used to it. Like at this point, if you're not used, and that I think is the thing that a lot of our conversations cam have come to have have sort of brought me around to like you know you can either rage against the machine and be like yo basketball used to be like blah 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 or you can look at it as look the game has evolved and it's not the same way that it was when you know friggin Pete, pistol Pete Maravich was <laughs> was playing and the games <laughs> yeah. were filmed in black broadcast in black and white like it's a completely different game and so the way that we grew up playing and the way that we grew up watching basketball you know, there have literally been rule changes. There are things that they're a lot more lax now in calling that they were a lot more stringent in calling. Like, you know, putting your hand on somebody's hip is not permissible anymore. You can't do what Jordan used to do and guide people to what direction you want them to go. That's a foul. Hey, yeah. uh, look, man, the Celtics played the KKK. That's why they got like 100 championships. <laughs> uh, let's let's keep it real man like when we talk about the tough the tough 80s and 90s it was only they showed the same four teams right the knicks celtics pistons (laughs) and whoever else you want it'd be the same four teams right right it's it's trash basketball we we romanticize those certain teams that played a certain way but the rest of them teams was hot basura you had a few stars here and there and let's keep it real 
we enjoy the basketball. I'm a, I'm I'm speaking for myself. Mm-hmm. I enjoy ninety uh not nineties. I enjoy this era of basketball. It's exciting. Yes, it is a little uh ticky tacky because you got the Harden type rules and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But I'm I'm not trying to see a score of fifty five to forty at the end of four. <laughs> so I'm cool. Like I, it, no one's trying to get gang tackled going to the rim. Like like let's let's keep it banned because if your player get hurt. It's a wrap, you know right. what I'm saying? Like right. we, we romanticize that tough era, but like I said, that tough era is only if like look at every, I challenge anybody listening to this podcast, go look at any video of the the tough era, and look at the teams and tell me how many different teams you see. Ron Artest said you can't call my generation weak because I played in this generation and and it's tough. He and he a tough dude, so sure. If you come in at Queensbridge calling him weak, you might get popped in the mouth. He played <laughs> he played in all that area. He said his whole career was tough. You know what I'm saying? He played against LeBron. He played against Jordan. All of them. He said it was all tough. He said this area is just tough. It's just different. You know right. what I'm saying? Agreed. Agreed. So, like, again, I enjoy, like, I watched 80s, 90s, 2000s, and current basketball. And I can say when the Warriors was cooking, it was fun to watch. Because mm-hmm. it was, they were like the Rams, the greatest show on the turf. It was the greatest show to watch when they had Draymond all up cooking. You know what I'm saying? We watch because we hated them. We watch the Rockets because we hate them. It's it's a it's not an enjoyable form of basketball, but you watch. You're engaged. Like Showtime, you wanted to see high scoring affair and flair. No one's trying to watch the lunch pail uh, Pacers play. No one cared. <laughs> like, uh, I mean, oh, cool. I think that's the difference. Also, a, a a a faint difference, a thin line between East Coast basketball and West Coast basketball. Because I think you guys, I think out in the West Coast, sort of latched onto fast pace um, transition basketball before it became sexy, sexy weed league wide. Like the Lakers were just like watching Showtime was just like was was just bananas. If you were a little kid, especially, and and you know, for me. I couldn't coming up. I couldn't shoot worth a damn, but I could pass and knock you in your head if you ain't looking. Like you need to keep your eyes open. You need to keep your hands up. And I got that watching Magic Johnson. You know what I mean? So to to have a team and and I, as much as I worship the '90s Knicks, to have a team comprised of a bunch of dudes who couldn't really play, who played grind it out, slow you down, wear you down, you know, drain your energy, leaning on you, elbowing you in the grill. Basketball, it's a different animal. And nobody played, even back then, nobody played like that because that the, 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 that era of basketball was built more like a Bulls type of, type of team where like, you know, which to me was a hybrid of a lot of a lot of different offenses, but also sort of the run and gun, fast paced, um, sort of, of of sorts a, fa- a version of the fast pace that 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 uh, Showtime basketball, Showtime Laker basketball had. Like their passing was immaculate. That people were just in the right spots. Everybody had their hand up the way that you supposed, the way that you learn you supposed to play. Keep your eye on the ball. Don't watch the man. Watch the ball. And and on both sides of the court. And you'll never like you can't go wrong. You can't. You just can't go wrong. And you know, I and, think and the I Knicks think that's for all a, the that, for all the love that I have for that. For, sorry. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. For, I was gonna say for the for the, all the love that I have of the Knicks. 
you know, it just, it, it, it was, it was great defensive basketball to watch, but it was always like the reason why, one of the reasons why Jordan getting dunked on was such a big deal is because the Knicks never really had that in them. <laughs> they don't really have that kind of, they never had that kind of high flying, uh, that, that kind of high flying acrobatics that a lot of other teams were known for in the era of a Jordan, a Pippen, uh, you know, and all the other dudes who would, the, 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 um, and all the other high-flying dudes of, of that era. We didn't have that. So, you know, but go ahead, Cam. I'm sorry. I mean, like, like I was going to say, like, uh, you know, you guys love Starks, but Starks was a a, a D-League player, man. Like, Sp- when Spiro was there, the Knicks was interesting. You know what I'm saying? When Spiro became a Nick, I was tuning in. I was like, oh, okay, this is what I'm talking about. Because he could slash to the hole. He had some flair. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? But, you know, I, we, we all love the 90s Knicks, Mason. Uh, uh, Greg Anthony, uh, Ewing, and all them, and that's cool. That was them, but right. like, I, like I said, I'm, I'm not trying to see a score fifteen to six. I'm trying, I'm trying, to see some buckets. So, as much as I hate the Warriors and their fan base, when they got KD, I mean, when you watch the the Splash Brothers, that's that's great basketball when you watch the bulls and the triangle offense and jordan going off that's great basketball man like the lakers basketball um the 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 last time i saw like a lunch pail team win it was the the, uh pistons in 04 that was like okay a team that had no like they had all stars but no you could argue uh she was a superstar, but not like a super superstar max right. player type deal. Mm-hmm. And he's probably the closest thing to a Hall of Famer. But they were like a team of nobody. Like was like the alpha. It was like a team. You know what I'm saying? Uh, and then you got these other teams that step up the grit and grind, the Grizzlies and stuff. But they win. I mean, it's cool to watch the grit and grind. But like, are we gonna really tune in and watch grit and grind versus? Uh, like whoever's the 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 Pistons, you know, like Grizzlies versus yeah. Pistons, who would be pissed? Well, I think that's also too. It's like you know, I'm a casual basketball fan, and like you're right. Like, do I want to see you know a good battle of 64 to freaking 62? <laughs> nah, yeah, we trying to see Brian. We trying to see. Yeah, Kobe. it's fun. You're yeah, right. It, it's just that aspect of being fun and just enjoying the the game. I think that's the aspect that a lot of people sometimes romanticize because you're right. Like you know, we've we've gotten to see. I remember when they were saying that, they were talking about how, I think someone put that, a quote was like that. They're like, yeah, people, a lot of the kids look at Kobe as like a lot of how we looked at Jordan at the time. And then he's like, it was wild to them that they, we get that there's certain people that are over the age of 30 that seen peak Jordan and peak uh, Kobe at the, at the, you know, in their lifetime and and with, with full knowledge of how basketball is, which I think was actually pretty interesting because you're right. The older of us have seen Jordan, Kobe, and LeBron all at their peaks and we can be able to see all that craziness and how, and all that basketball where a lot of the young kids, they've only seen LeBron or they only, they, you know, they only seen LeBron and Kobe. Yeah. To the kids out there, uh, Google 93 Jordan, in my opinion, the best version of Michael Jordan at his peak prowess was 93 Google, uh, either 2004 or 2006 Kobe, or Google Miami Heat LeBron, which I think is the best version of LeBron uh, physically, athletically, and just all-around game. I think LeBron is a better overall player now at his mm-hmm. uh, age of 35. Mm-hmm. But I think 
the best LeBron I've saw was when he was with the Heat. But we were we had a debate, and I said to my, I said to a friend on Twitter, I was like, uh, people thought '96 Jordan. I was like, nah, 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 nah. I don't agree with yeah. that at all. Yeah, yeah, I was like Jordan hater. I don't I don't even quote. Yeah, that. in my opinion, the '93 version of Michael Jordan was a <laughs> it was un it was stupid. Agreed. It was really really ridiculous that no one on this planet, the galaxies, the Marvel universe, the DC <laughs> universe could check Michael Jeffrey Jordan in the year 1993. Nobody on this planet. And they gave the MVP to Chuck Charles Barkley, Mr. AKA we need to have a dialogue or whatever. Oh, so, uh, Google those three players and and you'll see some truly amazing exploits from three incredible players that graced our NBA. See, that's dope. And I think that that's the kind of conversation when it comes like to the basketball when it comes to basketball that should be had where it's like instead of waxing poetically about a certain era, but just also just being honest about the parts and the goods and the bads, but then also winging it out. So it's like, yeah, man, we're in a new era and, and things have evolved. So like embrace the, the change and enjoy it. But then also, you know, have a good look from the um, from the past now that it keeps going forward. Well, yeah, like I said, we, we acknowledge we acknowledge the Celtics having 17 rings, but half them rings, like I told you, they played the KKK. That's all it is. <laughs> also, you, I mean, it, it, it's it's worth acknowledging that people sort of have emotional attachments to their team. And, you know, Cam and I can have a discussion about any number of basketball, any number of basketball teams, but we, our, our conversations rarely stray into because I like them or because they're good. Like it never gets stupid like that. Cam always comes with stats. I always come with stats and we put stats up against that. You should see our 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 chat. It's filled with nothing but screenshots <laughs> yeah. of, of stats from different years that different teams played, and that's the basis for a lot of our debates. That's the the basis for a lot of our discussions. And we put up I, I, like, whole screens of teams from 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 whole team rosters that make it you know that that make it so that it it removes any doubt about like the numbers are the numbers. And they just are what they are. Yeah, I would say the numbers tell a story, but not the complete story. Because oh, sure. You know, sure. everybody can make a narrative with numbers. There's also something to be said that if you were, quote unquote, alive during that era watching these games, sometimes the eye test could tell you. Like, again, I, I have this theory. Uh, well, not even a theory. It's just my belief that Chris Webber was a great player. Great at his position. Favorite player of mine. At his position, but he's not a Hall of Famer. Mm-hmm. Um, his not he he may get in because the NBA Hall of Fame is a it's weird. It's it, they include everything like, but he may get in on on his merits. Like Mitch Richmond to me is not a Hall of Famer. Chris Webber is not a Hall of Famer. Great great players, but when I think Chris Webber, I don't think of him as standing out. Like Tim Duncan, mm-hmm. the yeah. best in his position. Kobe yeah, Bryant, arguably the greatest second greatest shooting guard or greatest shooting guard to ever play the game, depending on who you ask, right? Sure. Um, when I think of Weber, I'm like, dope player, had a, some amazing years with certain teams, but I don't think he should get in. And, like, the eye test, like I said, we mm-hmm. can come with stats and whatnot, but sometimes 
uh, the eye test. You watch that player and be like, that play, like Draymond is one of those players that when it's all said and done, if you didn't watch Draymond and you went purely off stats, you'd be like, okay, yeah, that feel good statistical great years, but then you don't understand what Draymond means to the team. He's a Sean Kemp. He's, he's Sean Kemp will yeah. be another guy. If you look at the numbers, it tells one story. You watch Sean yeah. Kemp play and Sean Kemp rebounding and Sean Kemp dunking and Sean Kemp passing. Yeah. Like it's a whole other ball of wax. And there's a lot of intangible things. Like he was a playmaker. He wasn't, mm-hmm. you know, a slam dunk champion. He wasn't just a dude who played above the rim. Like his basketball acumen was outrageous and then the physicality and the things that he would do on you know that show up on the stat sheet just on the stat sheet just augmented those things but if you look at purely to to follow what you were just saying uh, to 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 bolster your point you look at the stat sheet it tells one story you watch Sean Kemp play and it's just otherworldly it's a whole other ball of wax that you could learn a lot from as far and, and so to compare him against Chris Webber I don't even think that I would, you know, like, again, as you say, like there, there's this getting in on merit and time spent and time served playing in the NBA. And then there's Sean Kemp <laughs> who played at the same position. Yeah. No, I mean, it, yeah. it is what it is. It, like there are certain players that I don't believe belong in the hall of fame, but they were great players. Um, I'm not here to debate who's this, who's that. Like I said, enjoy, enjoy the greats. Uh, we still got LeBron. Enjoy these years while he's still playing. Uh, Lakers are the best team on this planet in in the world. Uh, uh, everybody's I, world. I, I am uh, here for that debate. Yeah, so. I like that. But, <laughs> yeah, here, no, that's I'm good. here for the debate. I mean, so it, I think, argue any yeah, I think that's what, twice on Sundays. I'm yeah, we could it. do that. We could do our our NBA wrap up, which would be funny. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we got it. We got it. We got an unearth ant from the uh, uh, hiding space. All right, let, let, <laughs> yeah. Oh, I know, I know. This might the the the, the next basketball conversation might be a reunion show. <laughs> so, so we got everybody uh, represent their team with their like you know Dwayne come in with his was it Bulls uh, and come no on no team. no Dwayne is Dwayne came back to the Knicks. Mm. Oh, did he? He announced that in the chat. Yeah, he's a Knicks fan. Oh, okay, okay, okay. okay. He he comes in with the the pain and the suffering. I get it. I get it. <laughs> Dwayne, if you listening or when you listen to this, <laughs> confirm that you're a Nick fan because I recall you saying I'm gonna come back to be an or he I know he came back. He used to be a Cowboy fan, which is weird. Oh God, a New Yorker being a Cowboy fan, but he he. Yeah, he I, I believe he explained that. Yeah, you know, America, America's team used to watch yeah. the pop that kind of thing. So that makes sense. You know, yeah, mm-hmm. he came back to all. He came back to all New York teams. So I believe he's back on the Knicks bandwagon. So okay, good fair enough. Okay, okay, okay. Misery loves um, company, so it's all good. Here we go. Here we go. I knew, <laughs> you, know, I knew you couldn't yeah. go without. I knew you can, See, you can make I it. I got to have a rest. See, I was, I was trying to cut it before that, but I knew it was coming. I knew it was coming. As a Knicks fan adjacent, I, I've seen the pain and suffering up close. So I, I empathize when I watch it. I'm like, ooh, jeez. Hey, Josh, we had a taste of it for 10 years. I said, no more. <laughs> no more. None Fair of enough. this. Oh. And none of this. This ain't this ain't you me. You, you don't you don't want your last championship to be nineteen seventy three. You don't want that. Oh, yeah. don't want that. Whoa. You wow. don't want that. I mean, that's how the that's how the Warriors were for so long, and then yeah. But you know, you're right. You're right. Um. All right, let's wrap this up. Let's get a little final words. Uh, Josh, you want to you want to <laughs> you want to be something cheerful, cheer, more cheerful than the Knicks? Oh, so now I got to be cheery. 
Um, <laughs> <laughs> now I gotta be cheery. Um, go out and vote. Don't be stupid. Vote. Like if you if you have a stake in if you if you feel like you have a stake in what's going on if you if um, short of making some sort of a statement short of some conviction that you have that really precludes you from voting, which I understand if depending on the slant that you approach it with, depending on your reasoning, you know, short of that, just you're, you're, you're a dummy. If you don't vote, (laughs) like have a reason if you're not, but if you don't have a solid reason and not because you know, is because it's not going to make a difference. Yeah. It's going to make a difference. Like you need to have more than that. You need, if, if that's your stance, then you need to have some supporting argument. And I know people who do. So having heard their arguments, the average person's argument is not that person's argument. So short of that, just get your ass out and vote. Like, don't be stupid. Uh, I, I will be the antithesis of that and say, it's okay not to vote for the parties that you think are not righteous for you, but more importantly, vote for your local uh, legislation and politicians within your community. I think that's more important. Oh, for sure. For and those... that's, and this is, you're proving my point precisely. This is exactly what I was yeah. referring to. Yeah. This is exactly, yeah. we're saying so, the same thing. You're expanding on yeah, it. No, yeah. Just expanding. But like there's, there, there are people like me who have a certain sentiment about the candidates. And if you don't feel more morally and ethical or ethically, uh, in agreement with the, the two party system, just just control. Take your vote and vote on the the local legislation and know what's 100%. going on in the community. And that's more important. Um, don't let anybody bully you into something that you don't believe in. So agreed. That's all. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. You you said it more eloquently than I did. We were saying the same thing. One hundred percent. My final word will not be about voting because you guys already covered all the bases. <laughs> um, what I'll do is uh, I I will share a story that I already shared with the the fellows, but I thought it was cool. Um, I was on an interview with a company uh, yesterday, and the person that was interviewing me this is in the East Coast, so New York uh, around that area. But anyways, the the beginning of the interview, the gentleman was kind of like, uh, "All right, this is gonna sound weird, but are you a host of the Table of Truth podcast?" And I was like, "Uh, yeah, yes, I am." Air horn. <laughs> <laughs> and, so, and so he said, well, this, I know this is going to sound odd, but my wife's best friend sent her a, a episode and then she sent it to me. And this was like in the beginning of COVID. And I've been listening to you guys like since the COVID, like springtime all the way up until now. And then also went back and listened to older versions. And so I was, it was funny because I was like, huh. That's weird. And he was like, like, yeah, yeah, but you guys are hilarious. Does it mean I got the job? Does it mean I got the job? Since you're a listener? I'm just saying. I mean, I thought it was funny because the the 15, 20 minutes of the the conversation was about the the podcast. And it was cool to kind of, and again, you know, we have various different types of fans and we talk to them in different ways and stuff like that. And like, sometimes we actually forget about the, you, the listeners, the tots out there. <laughs> tots. Cause you know, we're just out here, you know, we out here just like pontificating on random stuff. So it, it's kind of, it's a good reminder that like we do have an audience that listens and they appreciate us. And it's kind of cool to hear it from the fans of like, yo, actually that was a good episode or that was appreciative or that aspect of it. And so, um, yeah, yeah, it was just really random and it was really cool, but it was a good reminder, um, that, uh, appreciate, I appreciate the fans 
and it's cool when folks are out there listening and like you know we actually do like doing this pod a lot and you know try to make some strides that we you know don't fail don't fail you guys and try to at least get you know get 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 it out there you know at least at the very least once a month but we've been getting a little bit more so i i'm i'm happy for the, with the, what's going on with the table of truth this past year and we've been having some good conversations and sharing sharing with the peoples man sharing with the peoples and listen um, sh- shout out to that guy you interviewed with you need to hire this guy like stop stop playing don't don't play <laughs> like come on man you see the caliber has been changed the caliber. of course of course <laughs> but you know you 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 know who you are and you see you hear the caliber of men that you're that you're that you're that you interviewed off off uh, you know offline and online so give him a shot give him the old college try you won't he won't let you down <laughs> and and to those section of fans who follow the ig page those spicy and hot takes do not reflect the table of truth that's just all me <laughs> So, <laughs> so, so if, please don't yeah. don't DM me the table of truth saying what's going on with the, the controversial hot takes and IG stories. That's just me, and and I take full ownership of that. So, <laughs> exactly. No, but but yeah, yeah, we we definitely appreciate it and something that you know we don't take lightly. So it's, it's dope. So, but um, yeah, man, with that. This is Table Truth, and we out. Don't forget to vote. True. (laughs) Or don't vote. (laughs) Wow. Wow. Don't don't forget to vote in your local election. There you go. That's our message. That That is is our message. On that, we are all in agreement. Yes. Yes.